Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Before I do that, there's a couple things, a little bit of business I want to take care of. The first thing I want to do is I just want to say to Alyssa and the ladies on your team and everybody who was a part of the women's conference last week, amazing job, incredible Uh, From California, I watched a little bit online, saw the buzz, and then I came back, and all anybody was talking about was the women's conference, and what a win it was, and how you guys knocked the ball out of the park. It was truly a grand slam home run. Good job. Sorry for all the baseball metaphors, but um, anyway, great job, and and you really, it was a win, and it really, really made our church, um, just made God look big through Grace Harvest Church, amen? So good job, uh, ladies. The second thing is... um, I just want to talk to you really quickly. Did you, did you know there's an election happening in our company, country this week? Uh, did you know that in our country? It's weird. I just uh, Anybody recognize that, right? And uh, what I want to do just quickly before um, I get into my message is I want to challenge us. And here's my challenge. My first challenge is if you uh, have not voted yet, that you would make sure you vote. Make your voice known right? Make, make your voice known. That's a, it's an incredible privilege in our country to be able to be a part of the process. Secondly, I'm going to ask you this week to pray for this election like you've never prayed for an election before. Um, because there's just there's so much that's happening in our nation right now. Um, I have to tell you in the times that I pray, and, and I'm a little bit of a student of history, uh, American history, world history. I'm not a scholar by any means, but I'm a student. And uh, in, in my awareness, not only of the time that I've lived, but even in American history, I, I really believe that there have been a few times in our nation where um, our country is really hanging in the balances, uh, and there's a lot of things happening right now that would rip us apart. And um, I, I just, I have felt an alarm inside of me and to pray for our nation. And so I'm just asking you to really pray, pray that the process is right. It's righteous, there's truth and justice along the way, and, um, and then lastly, here's the last one, and, and this is maybe the one, you might not think it's the most important, but I think it's the most important, and that is that my challenge to us is that we would love our neighbors regardless of the outcome. Now listen carefully to what I'm going to say here. We are witnesses. If you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're here today and you haven't made that step yet, um, I'm, I'm not talking to you. Uh, you can listen, but I'm not talking to you. I'm really addressing people who claim to be followers of Jesus. And here's my challenge to us. We cannot contradict His nature with our actions, with our words, and with our social media posts and claim to be His followers. And uh, there's no place in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ to show the kind of hatred, mockery, but belittling, and finger-pointing that I've seen from a lot of people I know as Christians. And it's my concern because the Scripture calls us even to love our enemies, those who oppose us, and those who think much differently from us. And you might think there are certain people or groups that are crazy and so far out there that they have no business. Um, Unfortunately, some people think they have no business living. But that's not for the person that follows Jesus. That's not the nature of our Savior. In fact, our Savior laid His life down for His enemies, poured His life out on a cross for those who opposed Him and hated Him. And the Scripture says that those who opposed Him and hated Him and were His enemies are you and me. 
every one of us. None of us were on his side. Jesus died for sinners, not for saints, not for those who already had their act together. He died for those who knew they had a need of a physician. So can I challenge you as a follower of Jesus Christ to please be aware of what you post, what you say, how you act, and how you treat people. And to remember, we are called to love our neighbors as Jesus loved us. And he demonstrated that by his death on the cross. Amen? Doesn't mean you can't have strong opinions, but just be sure that strong opinion is backed by love. And not just raw hatred and anger. Amen? Okay, that's the challenge to us. Um, so now that I've challenged you and I've gotten intense, I'm going to add a little levity to it and we'll get right into the message, okay? My message today is on the book of Galatians. We've been doing a series called Good News of Grace. Today's message is we are children of faith freed from the curse. We are children of faith freed from the curse. You know, little Johnny's new baby brother was screaming up a storm and Johnny asked his mom, Mom, where did he come from? Well, he came from heaven, Johnny. Johnny responded, wow, I can see why they threw him out. (laughs) What's that? I I missed that. Anyway, secondly, did you hear about the teacher who asked the children in her Sunday school class? Um, If I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and gave all my money to the church... Would that be enough to get me into heaven? No, the children all answered. Okay, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the churchyard, and kept everything neat and tidy, would that be enough to get me into heaven? Again, the answer was, no. Well, she continued, then how do I get into heaven? In the back of the room, a five-year-old boy shouted out, you gotta be dead. (laughs) Amen. It's good theology right there, right? We're going to actually be talking not just about the faith that brings us to heaven, but we're going to be talking today about the faith that brings heaven to us, that brings heaven into us. You know, we're going to learn about the blessings of having faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to learn that faith alone makes us children of Abraham and children of God. We're going to learn that faith frees us from the curse of sin and death although I don't know if I'm going to get to that point. I didn't in the first service. And we're going to learn that faith releases the blessings of the Holy Spirit and the life of God upon us so we can live as God designed us to live. So before I actually get into what I want to talk to you about from the message today, I want to review where we were two weeks ago because I haven't been up here in a couple weeks, and that was that we learned two weeks ago that we received the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus, not by keeping the rules, Right? We've been talking about that all along, that your, um, you, or, you or I going on this kind of rule-keeping, moral journey to try to do enough, jump through enough hoops, and be good enough for God to love and, and accept us, is not only is it inadequate, it's impossible, and it will never cause God to bless us with His Holy Spirit. How we are blessed with the Holy Spirit is by putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. We learned that um, in the church there, in Galatia, there was false teaching going on. There was a spell of legalistic false teaching that had infected the church. And Paul was concerned. He didn't, he didn't want these people falling under that law-keeping false gospel 
that was putting them in bondage and bringing them under a curse. We learn that the Holy Spirit's received when we trust in Jesus, crucified, and that alone. And we learn that we are changed when we trust the Holy Spirit, not our human efforts. And, um, you know, many of us in this room have probably tried through sheer willpower to change, to become a better person, to beat addiction, to quit being angry, to, to quit, you know, to overcome lust, covetousness, greed, whatever it may be. We've struggled with it, right? And what's happened when we've struggled in our own strength and we've tried to be the good person and we've tried to change and, and sometimes we even accomplish changing a little bit of our behavior. But the, the thing inside of us that motivates us, that craving, that desire inside of us doesn't change unless Christ and his gospel change it, unless we have faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? So as we get into talking about faith today, I want to share some really powerful um, statements on faith by some Christian leaders. And the first statement is from that really well-known author. I don't know if y'all know who he is, but, or it could be a she, because we, we just don't know, but that great author, Unknown. Have you ever read any stuff from Unknown? It's all over the place out there. Unknown has written more than anybody else I know. So Unknown said this, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and no one was there. Don't you love that? Do you, you, you see what's happening? See, when fear knocks on your door and faith answers, there's not going to be anybody there. Secondly, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. St. Augustine said that. Thirdly, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. I loved uh, this morning as Grant got up here and gave his testimony because his testimony was the story of how his own human effort was not adequate when it came to provision in their lives. And that the only way they would have the provision they needed is when they quit trusting in their own abilities and they trusted in God. Now, you notice he didn't say, so I felt like God told me to leave my job and quit and not work and he would just take care of us. He didn't say that. He recognized the necessity of labor, but he also knew that without God's intervention, he wouldn't be able to get the provision that they needed. And so he saw where his own human possibilities ran out, God's power stepped in and provided Amen? And that's what I've... How many of you have experienced that in your own life, right? You've come to the end of yourself. You've done all you know to do. You've exhausted every means possible, and then what has happened? You've cried out to God, and you've seen divine intervention. And so we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's what the Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so we need to trust Him. We need to believe in God. We need to trust in Him because we know His character is faithful. He's proven Himself to His people for thousands of years. And so we're going to get into the first point today, and here's that point. The real children of Abraham and of God are those who put their faith in Jesus. The real children of Abraham and of God are those who put their faith in Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. It'll be up here on the screen. It says, in, this, in the same way, Abraham, whoops, where are we at here? Verse 6, sorry. Can we go back to verse 6? In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then 
are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in His sight because of their faith. Do we have any Gentiles in this room? We do, don't we? See, unless you come from a Jewish background, you're a Gentile. Although the Scriptures teach, and we'll get into this later, the Scriptures actually teach that once you put faith in Jesus, you're no no longer, quote-unquote, a Gentile, but you are part of the family of God. You're part of the children of God. But every one of us, this is the beauty of the good news of the gospel, every one of us that were not Jewish and a part of the covenant people of God have now been included in the covenant people of God by simply trusting in Jesus Christ. And that is enough. That's adequate for us to be made right with God. So we continue to read here. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham. Isn't that interesting? Thousands of years ago, almost 4,000 years ago, God spoke to Abraham the good news. And he said, when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. How many of you grew up in the church? Okay, a number of you did. Do you remember? Father Abraham had many sons. Anybody remember it? Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, and we'll stop right there. Yeah, (laughs) I knew you'd take over at that point, right? So here's the amazing story of the good news. The amazing story of the good news is that all of us who trust in Jesus Christ are part of Father Abraham's family. And Father Abraham was right with God, not because he jumped through hoops and behaved and was a good guy. In fact, if you know anything about him... The scripture seems to indicate that Father Abraham was a, an idol worshiper before, he, before God spoke to him. And we know that he was made right with God because he trusted God. He, he believed in God. He had faith in God. Amen? So he's our example of being right with God by faith. That's what the sixth verse told us. He was made right with God by trusting what God told him over 400 years before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Abraham is called the father of faith because he trusted what God told him and did whatever God told him to do, even when he didn't understand God's ways. Remember, there's this story in Genesis chapter 15, after the Lord has appeared to Abraham a couple of times, he comes to him again, and he tells him he's going to bless his family, he's going to bless his descendants, he's going to bless his seed. And Abraham said, "Uh, great, how's that going to happen? I don't have a child. My wife and I are too old. We're beyond childbearing years. We can't have children. How's that going to happen? I mean, Lord, the only way it can happen is my servant, Eleazar, he's going to be the one ultimately that's going to inherit all of my family and all of my blessings. And God said, no, that is not true. It's not going to be your servant. It's going to be your son who comes from your own body. And Abraham's like, say what? Have you seen my wife? Because she was like over 90 at this point. How many of you are 90-year-old women don't have babies. And he was around 100, and we'll just say usually 100-year-old dudes got problems too, okay? So they're not having a baby together, and yet God told them they would, right? And so you're like, wow, what, what is going on? And you know what Abraham did? It says, and Abraham believed God. 
I can imagine at that moment the applause of heaven. I can just imagine God, you know, just heaven, all the angels breaking out, everybody being like, did you see that? He believed what the Father told him. He believed what God said. Yeah, Abraham, you believed. And the scripture seems to indicate at that moment, this is interesting, at that moment because he believed what God said, God said of him, you're right with me. So we're justified. He declared him right. And so Abraham is our father, and he is the example to us of how we're to live our lives. And not not just when we first come to faith in Jesus, but as we continue to live in the Christian life, we're to continue to trust him over every other person, thing, we're to trust God. See, the Bible foretold a time when non-Jewish people would be right with God by faith, and that's you and I. All of us in this room are descendants of Abraham. We've already learned that. He's our pattern for trusting God. God told Abraham somewhere between 1,800 and 2,000 years before Jesus came into the world that all of the world would be blessed through his descendant and his descendants. And that ultimate descendant, we'll learn this later in Galatians, was Jesus. And that family is you and me and every nation, tribe, kindred, tongue, all the peoples of the earth who have trusted Jesus Christ become the family of God and are grafted into this big family that extends all the way back to the beginning of time, starting with Adam and Eve, and all through time, those who have trusted, those who believe are part of the massive family of God. And that happens by simply saying, I believe you, Lord, I trust you. Now listen, we we defined a couple of weeks ago, faith is not just mental assent. Faith is not just you and I agreeing with the facts of the gospel. Faith means to trust, rely upon, cling to. I shared with you the little story of Blomden, right? And I've, I've used it now probably three time, times, but Blomden, the, uh, the tightrope walker, right? And, you know, he walked between two buildings and everybody was applauding. And, and then he said, how many of you believe that I can walk between the two buildings with a person on my shoulder? And everybody's like, yeah! And then he said, any volunteers? And everybody went, whoop. Right? And that's the difference between believing, just believing with our head, and trusting. Tr- trust is to be willing to climb on Jesus' back. And we know that we did. We were hung with Him on the cross. Right? And so Christ alone makes us right with God. And we learn that everyone who puts faith in Jesus is now blessed with Abraham. Verse 9 says, So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. See, when we trust in Jesus, we're blessed with Abraham and all of his blessings, right? Um, He believed God and God declared him right. When we believe God, when we believe in Jesus, what happens for us is we experience God's love. We experience forgiveness. We experience right standing with God. We experience what it is to be children of God. We become joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Everything given to the Son we now share in. You see, our standing, this is so important that we get. All of us in this room that are followers of Jesus, your standing with Christ is not based on you. Do you get it? You see, this is really important because most of us, when we fail, when we sin, when we fall, we go immediately to trying to figure out how we pay for our sin, how we make it right, how we make it up. 
how we you know, go through the process, jump through whatever hoops, climb whatever steps to get right with God again. And here's what happens. We're going to fail, right? And when you fail over and over again, you'll finally come to the point where you say, I can't do it. It's, it's not good enough. And what happens to some people is they turn and lose faith at that point because they, figure, they feel like it's too hard to do because they're trusting in themselves and not in Jesus Christ. But if you come to the end of yourself and you make all your efforts and you do all you can to be moral and good and you fail and then you say, I can't do it, and you turn to the cross, that's when you recognize that all your efforts led you exactly where they were supposed to. They led you to the end of yourself and the beginning of God. And when you turn to God after failing and you recognize I can't do it, I can't live right, I can't do right, I can't follow your commandments. I can't obey you in my own strength and of myself. When you come to that point, you are at the beautiful point of faith in Jesus' death on the cross for you and his resurrection, and now you can be justified. But if you continue through your own human efforts to continue to try to make yourself right, you actually, and I don't have time to get into it today, but you bring yourself under a curse. We'll learn that next week. How many of you want a cursed life? Can't, can't you see my new book? Right, all these people have written, but the blessed life by blah, 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 right? The cursed life by Doug Sherman. Not a bestseller. Why? Because nobody wants that. But Christians all the time, when they quit trusting in Christ and they begin to trust in the works of the law, they bring themselves under a curse to the works of the law. And that is a terrible way to live. So... In closing today, I want to illustrate the kind of faith that God wants to build in us by telling you the story of an amazing African woman and her 56 orphans. Okay, so in his book, Beyond Jabez, Bruce Wilkinson shares the story of this old African woman who had demonstrated faith in God's power to provide. Although she lived in a tiny mud hut in her village, she had taken on the responsibility of caring for 56 orphans. A small group of Wilkinson's Dream for Africa volunteers had arrived in this grandmother's native Swaziland to plant gardens. On the final day of their visit, they came upon her tiny home. So they're moving from village to village. Right? They come into her village and they come to her tiny home. And they see that, and, and they, they came there specifically to plant gardens. And on the final day of their visit, as they come upon their home, they see this little hut surrounded by the many children in her care. A number of little gardens had been dug up all around the hut, but oddly, no plants were growing in any of them. The volunteers learned that earlier on that same day, the woman had told the children to dig lots of gardens. When the children asked her why, since they didn't have any seeds or money, she responded, Last night, I asked God to send someone to plant gardens for us. We must be ready for them when they come. Wilkinson's volunteers had come with hundreds of ready-to-plant seedlings. God sent them to the very place where one of his servants had begged for his intervening hand. The faithful grandmother and her children were ready when the answer came. You see, she had the kind of faith, and, and based upon his story... They had, she had no idea that this group was around them, was in any other villages. She was praying and she said, God, 
You've got to provide for these kids. And how many of you know the Lord loves and cares for the widow and the orphan? Right? We know that. The Scripture says God takes widows and orphans personally. Right? And so here's God. He loves these children and this woman so much that and he loves them so much he's going to care for them, but there is something he wants from them, and that's simply that they trust him. And they demonstrate their trust by getting all the kids out there. And I love how the kids are involved. She didn't do it herself. She gets the kids out there and she says, I want you to dig up a bunch of plots for little gardens. Because I prayed and God's going to take care of us. And so we will get ready and the answer will come. And all of a sudden, here's this group, right? They show up in this village. They come to her home and her home is surrounded by little gardens and they plant their, their seedlings. I, I look at that story and it demonstrates so many things about faith. First, she prayed and then she acted by faith. She trusted. And really, that's what God calls us to do, to pray and to act, to pray and believe. If we say, you know, it's like the person, the person praying for rain, right? I love that story. You've probably heard that joke before, you know, person prayed for rain and then went and got their umbrella and went and stood outside. People are like, what are you doing? I prayed for rain, right? The action demonstrated that they really believed. And it's the same with you and I. Look, here's, here's what happens with us. When we're lost in our sin and our own self-righteousness, when we've trusted in ourself and we come to the end of that journey and we realize we can't do anything to rescue ourselves from the power of sin and death, and we turn our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, and we say, Lord, I can't do it, I need you, and we cling to the cross, then we, we take steps, right? We take steps. We know something has happened inside of us. We know God's done something on our behalf. We believe that Jesus alone and His death on the cross and His burial and His resurrection is enough to make us right with God, and we demonstrate that faith by taking a step. And that step could be everything from having somebody pray with you to to publicly telling some friends, going to family members, but there are steps we take to demonstrate that we have trusted in Jesus Christ. In fact, you might not realize that when we do public baptisms, we have a baptism tank over here, when we do baptisms, baptisms are a step of faith. We say we trust Jesus. The next step in your faith journey is to be baptized publicly. And in being baptized publicly, you tell the whole world, I've trusted Jesus alone and His death burial, and resurrection to make me right with God as my Father. And now I've demonstrated that before the whole world, that He alone is my Savior and my Lord. Amen? Why don't you stand with me?